This is Issues 2020. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Sedgwick County Manager Tom Stoles. Welcome to Issues 2020, Tom. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. Certainly the biggest story of the year is a coronavirus pandemic. Can you describe how that has impacted your job as county manager for us? Uh, yeah, Steve, I will. It's, it's a, a little bit of a long story, uh, but I'll, I'll, uh, I, I've been asked to tell this story many times, so I always break it into four parts uh, when we kind of tell the story. Uh, the, the first thing when we went through uh, COVID and, and Corona back in early March and April uh, was the community health issue that we had to face uh, right off the bat. Uh, Sedgwick County uh, houses the, uh, the Sedgwick County Health Department, which is a component and has a relationship with the Kansas Department of Health and Environment. Uh, all of and this whole system works under uh, CDC at the national level. So, when we have a, uh, a sickness or, in this case, a major pandemic, uh, the, the health department becomes um, critical uh, in the operations and management of that. But this particular virus, this novel virus, was challenging on a number of levels. Uh, it, it was challenging as a virus because it could move, it was airborne, uh, it could move through asymptomatic people. Um, we didn't have a lot of supplies at the beginning of this uh, pandemic. There was not a lot of testing materials. Uh, we couldn't even find protective equipment such as masks or um, you know, hand sanitizer or hand wipes, uh, aprons, all the kinds of things that we need to, to, to manage uh, a pandemic. And it's because it was a worldwide issue. There was just shortages of all this kind of uh, uh, basic tool and, of course, there was no vaccine yet. There was no medicines to treat it. There, there was no cure for it, basically. So just the, the, how this particular virus rolled uh, was extremely challenging, and we had to get our hands around that very quickly uh, and try to begin to manage and contain it. Um, the second thing that rolled very quickly uh, after the virus uh, struck uh, the country, uh, the state of Kansas, and then uh, Cedric County, was uh, this litany of government orders that began to roll. Um, very early on, Governor Kelly declared disaster declaration in the state of Kansas, and our county commission uh, declared the same thing, a, a local um, disaster declaration. Now, that is not unusual at a county level or even a state level. We do it every year in Kansas for uh, tornadoes and floods and our, and our weather issues that we, are, that we have here. But this was different because... Um, there was really no end in sight on how long this declaration was going to last. And, in fact, we're still under it today. So whenever you desire, uh, declare disaster, that in, brings FEMA into the, into the play. Uh, and and um, we work with FEMA then in addition to, the, to KDHE. Uh, at that same time, uh, the governor began to roll health orders. Um, and then also it began to define for us uh, in a very public way, the role of the health officer in Sedgwick County, who's Dr. Menz. Uh, he is um, a household name now. Be be before COVID, I mean, Dr. Menz has worked with the county for years, uh, mostly behind the scenes on, you know, flu epidemics and measles and uh, those kinds of uh, smaller scale uh, health issues. But on this scale, this global uh, COVID scale, he, he became critical, and he had a duty and obligation to roll health orders that uh, help protect the community. 
And then, of course, our county commission morphed into a, basically a board of health full-time. Uh, they also have a role in rolling out orders, local orders, uh, that impact Cedric County. So uh, this has kind of been an ongoing situation. I think everyone's keenly aware of the um, challenges that that brings, uh, and it was kind of the first time that uh, public health uh, could be at odds with economy, uh, and that was a unique um, situation for us as well very early on. Generally, they are very synergistic. Uh, if you have good public health and a good economy, they go together. If, you're, if your public is able to work and, and, and produce, um, it, it all lines up very nicely. But in a pandemic time where all of a sudden some partial or full shutdowns come into play, that can cripple an economy. And we watched it, we watched it happen nationally to us uh, last April. Um, and then the third, the third issue with running the county and how it impacted uh, county operations was just um, our organization. Uh, we have about 3,000 employees, uh, and, and everything that the county government does is so service-oriented. In other words, it's people serving people, uh, whether it's EMS or fire or the sheriff or health workers, uh, mental health workers at ComCare, the TAG office. All, all of those are front-facing kinds of work, and it makes it in a, in a spreadable, transmittable virus time. We, we really had to recalibrate, you know, how we did basic business to, so that we would keep our employees safe and also our general public that we were trying to serve. So that, that was a very uh, trying four to six, eight weeks there early on, trying to re, uh, reconstruct how our business processes worked. Uh, and then, of course, we have the courthouse inside the building, um, and just running jury trials and um, uh, getting people in and out of court is very challenging for our judges and our state uh, uh, correction system. So we worked with them, continue to work with them, so we can keep the criminal justice system moving to some degree while we work through this. And then, and then the last thing that impacted the county was. Um, the, the federal funding management piece of this, uh, very early on in April, May, uh, the federal government rolled out uh, Families First Coronavirus Response Act and uh, the Economic Securities Act, which we call the CARES money now. Um, and, and the state and the county had to pivot and receive and manage and account for that money um, and try to get it into the right places uh, to, to best serve the people. Um, and so we, we actually became grantors at that point. We've never done that in the county, so we had to pivot that particular operation as well and are, are just concluding our CARES disbursements uh, here as we, as we get closer to the end of the year. So all of this combined um, has made for a, a very challenging uh, managing year uh, in the county. Um, I think we've tried to do the best we could. It's, it, we've made some mistakes, clearly, but I think overall... Um, with the uncertainty and how we had never done this before, I, I think that overall we've, we've done the best we could. You, uh, you had your own personal battle with COVID-19. Tell us about that, Tom. Yeah, Steve, um, in, in late September, and I'll, I'll preface this by saying in the county, we tried to be as careful as we could from the get-go, as best we could. Uh, remembering back in, in April and May and June, you couldn't, you couldn't find a face covering. You couldn't find a mask online. There was none available. Everything was being diverted to, to health care workers as, as it should have been. 
Um, and so, but we, you know, we tried to maintain distance. We tried to minimize meetings, and we tried to maintain separation even within those meetings. But, but this virus is very airborne. Uh, it can last in the air for several hours after someone is sick. And, and when you work in a public building, I, you know, I think we all knew it was only a matter of time. And uh, about the third, it was our, our anniversary uh, is in September, right around our anniversary time, oddly enough, uh, I came down with a, a low-grade fever uh, and went and got tested and, and hit positive for COVID. And I began my isolation period. And for the first uh, week or so of, of the virus, I thought maybe I was going to skate pretty clear. I wasn't feeling terribly bad. I was able to work at home uh, remotely. Um, but then on uh, days uh, 7, 8, 9, 10, uh, you know, in the, in going into the second week of it, um, I spiked a, a more of a fever and just so much fatigue and headache um, to where I lost my ability to multitask. I lost my ability to read complex documents and basically was sick in bed for uh, three or four days. And, um, and, then, and, you know, and then slowly got better. It took weeks. Uh, I mean, I went back to work after my isolation period was over, uh, but it, it took weeks to, to get back to what I would uh, consider uh, feeling normal. So uh, it, it, it was a rough ride, um, and I feel badly for people that have to go through it and, and recognize that in the big scheme of things, I was lucky that I didn't have to go to the hospital. Uh, and and there's so many people that get so sick with this. Um, it, it's just very serious. But I respected the virus before I got it, and I really respect it after I, I've had it. I still wear a mask. I still maintain distancing. Um, and we, we need to stay in that mode for the next several months until this vaccine uh, gets more widely distributed. Now, uh, you've recovered, but you know, and the vaccine is now being uh, distributed uh, for healthcare workers. Uh, are, are you, even though you've had the virus, uh, are you going to get the get the shot, get the vaccination? I, when it comes to my turn, Steve, I absolutely will. Um, my my personal opinion on this is, you know, since I've had it, um, and and I, I, I we believe we have antibodies. Um, I think I should wait till the end. I think those who um, are exposed who have never had it. Uh, should get it first, but when it comes my time, uh, you know, in this summer or when there's enough vaccine, I, I definitely will. I definitely will take it. I, I <laughs> I'm going to do whatever I can not to have to go through that again. And if getting the vaccine helps me from not getting it or spreading it, I'm going to I'm going to take the vaccine. You're listening to Issues 2020 on the Intercom Radio Stations, and our guest is Sedgwick County Manager Tom Stoltz. And Tom, the pandemic's had a, a, an impact on your workforce, on your county employees. I know. Uh, you've had uh, you've furloughed, you've bring some back, brought some back. Some of them working at home. How does that work out uh, with people working from home? They, they all have the computers they need and all that? Well, yeah, that was part of the, that was part of the initial challenge uh, back in March and April as we were pivoting the business processes. We wanted to try to work as many uh, from home remotely as possible. So our IT department was scrambling, uh, trying to acquire the computers to get it done, and build this, build the infrastructure so that it, it could work. And honestly, it has worked very well. We, I would say, uh, back in April, May, we were probably remoting uh, a third to a half of our workforce. Where you could, there's, there's just some things in the county you just can't remote. You can't remote uh, a sheriff. You can't re- remote EMS. You can't remote corrections workers. But what we could administratively, we tried to uh, remote at home. Uh, and, I, and I think it's worked out very well, and we probably still have uh, six of the organization 
that continues to remote from home even even today until this passes. Uh, we did go through, uh, we, we furloughed some employees um, uh, back in April and May, brought them all back uh, in early June uh, and have not had the furloughs since then. But we've done some budgetary things to try to be smart. To, uh, we've deferred what we could, delayed what we could so that we can continue um, you know, to manage as best we can uh, through the remainder of the, of the virus. Now, uh, beyond that, this, this county jail has really, been, <laughs> really had been hammered because of the nature of what goes on over there. Tell us yeah. about uh, the problems at the county jail. Well, we, you know, that's a, when this first hit, um, any corrections facility, be it a prison uh, or, or a jail, uh, you're clearly worried about that because of the nature of, of, of that business. Uh, it's confined. It's, um, you have a lot of workers over there uh, and a lot of inmates. In our, in our local jail, uh, anywhere from 14 to 1,600 um, on a given day. Um, the sheriff and his staff, uh, the first few months of the virus, we were, we, we were very lucky, very careful, uh, and very well managed over there to where we tried to uh, keep separation uh, uh, between inmates. Uh, we did steric cleaning uh, on a weekly basis, monthly basis, to keep it as clean as an environment as we could. We did really well till about you know August or so, late summer, uh, and then it's just inevitable as as the thing spreads, it gets into that to that jail and spreads to inmates and and to some of our workers as well. Um, and so we you know we continued cleaning and the. The sheriff is managing that as best he can as far as separating, uh, particularly when somebody's symptomatic, getting, getting them away from the other people uh, or, or getting them out of the jail. Uh, and I think you know, we're back to where we have control again. But if you look at corrections institutions around the state, they, they've all struggled. Um, you know, the, the, the jail is, a, is an interesting place. It's a transitory environment to where there are some people who are there for a relatively uh, long-term, weeks and months potentially, but the vast majority are they come and they go. They move through the court system. Uh, so it's a transitory environment. So you're going to have people coming in every day, and, you know, when, when, they, when there's an infection uh, raging through the community, it's just inevitable that's going to come in. But the, I think the sheriff's done as best he could. He's done a very good job uh, in a relative fashion compared to other jails or prisons around the, around the country. Let's talk about the, uh, the pandemic's impact on other county responsibilities. You know, people who uh, can't be sequestered or quarantined when they're working, and people are like road maintenance for the county, law enforcement officers, Fire and EMS. The, what's uh, what's been the impact uh, on that workforce? That part of the workforce. Well, we've, as an employer, uh, the county, we've had you know we've had our share of, of COVID positives, um, you know, hundreds probably, and and from a quarantine perspective, more than that. So even with our law enforcement, as best we could, we're trying to quarantine uh, uh, and keep them away from the work environment uh, while they go through quarantine period. But uh, and same with EMS, you know, it, it's it's better now because we've got PPEs that we can. Um, there's plenty to put on EMS and fire, uh, the sheriff's deputies, masks and gloves, those kinds of protective devices to keep them as safe as possible. We didn't have that early in the game, uh, and it was nerve wracking uh, trying to do work out there without protective equipment. But um, so we're trying to manage that as best we can. Um, but I know. But we go through periods of quarantine and we go through periods of COVID where people cannot work. 
uh, and that's to protect all of our other employees and to protect the public we serve. So uh, it's been it's been very tenuous operationally for the county as it has for all employers in in the, in the county. Um, just trying to keep enough workforce not with COVID and not on quarantine to continue your business process, uh, and it's been challenging for us, particularly with um, sheriff and EMS corrections, um, uh, calm care. Those are very challenging areas. Uh, that we've just tried to keep operationally plugging along as best we could while we work through the worst of this virus. Another big impact has been on uh, on the courts, on getting yeah. justice done and getting people moving through the court system. Talk about that for a little bit. Well, one of the first things that the sheriff and the DA uh, and and the, the district court judges did is they tried to empty the jail as best we could for offenders that we could come in uh, that wouldn't jeopardize safety in the public, but we could get back into the court system uh, so the, the, the sheriff tried to get his population down as far as he could go. Uh, what happens, though, we had court system was totally gridlocked uh, in, um, you know, April and May. I mean, nothing was moving, uh, just some very minor rudimentary processes over there. But jury trials were essentially stopped. And the judges and, and the DA and the sheriff, they, they worked very well together. We're trying to, uh, and have been for the last six months or so, trying to ease this system back open as safely and as best we can uh, at, through using plexiglass and separation methods and, and being, uh, you know, limiting the number of uh, trials and limiting the number of people that come into those uh, situations. And it's been a struggle, Steve. I, I think across the board in the state, uh, our judges have, have and justice, justice system has done as best they could but we are log jammed to some degree, and then that has an impact all the way back to the jail again, uh, to where if those processes are not happening, then the jail has more inmates, uh, and some inmates um, cannot be released back into the public, so it adds stress to the, to the jail. Uh, so we're trying to uh, work through this, and I, I think, you know, in the early fall when our numbers were pretty good, I think the system was beginning to work. Then when we saw, uh, as a community, we saw our spike happen uh, in, you know, early November, um, it, it, it kind of landlocked again, and we're just trying to work through that on a week-by-week basis, judges and the DA and sheriff doing the best they can uh, to keep the process moving. What, uh, what's what been the impact on, on the county's social and health services uh, uh, as far as your contact with people who, who need help in those areas? Absolutely. Uh, well, and when you think about... Um, our, uh, our, our department that serves disabled people, our department that serves aging, uh, our department that serves mentally ill, those are all front-facing uh, kinds of front-facing work. I mean, you have to meet in person with people, and it's also members of the public who are very at risk, very at risk uh, for bad implications if they get COVID. So we've tried to be as careful as possible. We've tried to go as remote as we could, uh, with teleconferencing and and like you and I are talking today on telephones or through Zoom calls uh, and meetings, we've tried to do the best we can. But at the end of the day, it's just so much more effective when you can get face to face. Again, with the when we were able to get PPEs and plexiglass and separation barrier kinds of uh, of tools, it's made it better. But um, it's been a struggle, just to be honest with you. It's a, it's a struggle to provide those kinds of human-to-human services uh, that are so greatly needed in this community in a, in a time of pandemic. Um, and we've done the best we could, and we're hoping, um, you know, that we can get back to a more normal operation by the middle of the year. 
you uh, you know, just, just, I hate to put this, bring this up, but this could happen again in the future, and uh, that's a terrible thing to think about. But what uh, if you, you know, what and if, people are they they ask a lot, what's the future? I mean, well, the you know, the immediate future is the the, the vaccine and management and. Let's get track tracing back under control, and let's maintain our, our healthy and safety uh, protocols. And then I, I think to answer that question that you just asked her, let's learn, let's learn from this because we know, uh, I think the science world will tell you it's inevitable that we're going to have to go through something like this again. So let's learn from this uh, situation uh, and, and, and all the mistakes we made, and uh, let's, try to get, let's try to get better so when it happens again, um, we're better prepared the next time. And there's a, there's a number of tangible things that we can do to better prepare ourselves next time uh, for when, when this happens. You know, it, but it's the thing ha- has had such an impact on people, not only on, on their physical health and well-being, but the mental aspect. Folks, it's just been, it's been a very depressing thing for, for, for everybody. Yeah. It, you know, that's the – and I, we – we never turn. We we have a new term that we've coined out. It's called COVID fatigue. I mean, people are just tired of it. Um, uh, they're tired of of the separation. They're tired of the limitations on group sizes. They're tired of masks. Um, and, and that's a real that's a real thing uh, that we're having to deal with. And and it's you know we, we're so close to the end. Uh, the doctors have been saying from the beginning. You know, a combination of herd immunity plus vaccine is our ticket out of this thing. And so we're so close to the end that if we can just keep these health uh, uh, actions up for a few more months, I think we can get around the curve on this. But people are, you're exactly right, people are tired of it. Um, it is, uh, you know, the physical part of it we were very concerned with at the get-go. Uh, we're still concerned with the physical part of it, the sickness itself. But there is a whole separate byproduct to, to COVID on mental health and illness, um, both those who were suffering with that before COVID and those who are now suffering with it because of COVID, uh, that that is, uh, we, we have called that the second shoe that's going to drop on this thing. And we have to be prepared. And as a community, we've got to stand up for each other and, uh, you know, make sure that we take care of one another and we're communicating with one another uh, and try to get through this next, next phase of this. But it, it's a real dynamic out there. Um, you know, if you, if we're keeping a very close eye on things like suicide rates, which, um, are, you know, for a while went down to almost zero back in April, May, and have steadily gone up ever since. So our community is struggling with this um, from a physical aspect, from a mental aspect, from a spiritual aspect. Um, it, it has been a challenge like um, none of us have ever faced before, and, and we just got to do our best to hunker down and get through this and, and be a community and help one another. I was just going to, we're almost out of time, and I was just going to ask for a positive statement. Maybe you, I think you maybe you've, you've got given it to us. You've got about 20 seconds. What, what can you say to, to as we, well, we're going to 2021 here? Yeah, let's, let's, let's take care of one another through the rest of this. We're in Chapter 3 of the book, uh, you know, uh, which is the recovery and, 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 and vaccination part. Let's take care of one another as we go through this. Let's learn from our mistakes. Let's communicate better. Let's be better teammates uh, in every aspect of life, and it will prepare us for the next problem that we have to face. So let's let's learn from our mistakes and get better. Tom, thanks for being with us, and I'm glad that you've gotten over the virus and look forward to uh, another year, maybe a better year coming here in 2021. But thanks for being with us on this year-end program, Tom. Appreciate thanks. your time. Appreciate you. you. And say thank you to all those county workers who have done such a great job. We appreciate that, too.
I will, Steve. Thank you. Our guest is Sedgwick County Manager Tom Stoltz, and that's all for this edition of Issues 2020. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh.